Okay, let's go ahead and turn to Revelation 15 and before we get started, you know, I've told y'all all the time, I might not be getting all this stuff right. And I think anybody that says they can get all this stuff right, <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Anybody that thinks for one minute you know all of what Revelation is about is wrong. So I, uh, I talked to a couple of guys uh, after last Sunday night and uh, they kind of disagreed with a little bit of stuff that I said. And that's okay. Because there's usually more than one idea. There's usually one, more than one thought about, uh, about things in here. So I want to kind of look back uh, on chapter 14 that we uh, studied last week, 14 through uh, 20. And, uh, and, you know, I made a remark to y'all that I thought this was a reaping of all the evil people. And, uh, and uh, somebody told me, well, uh, you know, I don't really think so. I think the, the, uh, the angel that was dressed in white with a white crown with a sickle when he thrust his in. I think there's a, a reaping of, of righteous and I think there's a reaping of evil also, which was, could very well uh, be, be so. Uh, so uh, I just wanted to tell y'all that that's a thought that you could have. And then the second one for sure was the reaping of the evil people uh, because they were cast into the great wine press of God. And another thing that, uh, that I mentioned last week, uh, about the uh, blood in that valley where the horses and the, and the people fall. And I kind of did it literal like they did in the scripture here, that the, the blood would be that deep for 180 miles. And uh, someone said, well, it's a, a hyperbole. Now, I'm not going to lie, I had to look that up. And, <laughs> and a hyperbole simply means that it is a... a, a not necessarily an exaggeration, but uh, uh, that it, it is a vivid account of something that that uh, that you need to know. And so, uh, you know, he kind of thought that maybe it was talking about the horses would be covered in blood, that it wouldn't be that deep for that many miles, and and there would be lots of blood. And, and so it's uh, and, and uh, made the, the the statement that. It's just like Jesus said, if your right eye offended, pluck it out. Well, he don't want you plucking your eye out. That's hyperbole. That's what a hyperbole is. But he's meaning that if you've got sin in your own eye, you know, get it out. Don't. He, he's not telling you to pull it. Or if your right hand offended, cut it off. Well, he don't want us going around doing that stuff. It's mutilation to ourselves. But that's what a hyperbole is. It makes, it makes something that really needs to be known and understood <laughs> They, they, they say it in such a way that, man, that's drastic to help you remember that, that that's what he wants us to, to do. And so how important that event is. So I think that's what, uh, what he was talking about in, in that. So I just want to clear that up. And uh, so you can, you can look at it either way. <clears throat> Chapter 15, yeah, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. And uh, somebody would read that for me right quick, please. I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw as it were a sea of glass mingling in fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. 
just and true are the ways thou king of saints who shall not fear thee O Lord and glorify thy name for thou only art holy for all nations shall come and worship before thee for thy judgments are made manifest okay so we, we see here that uh, you know if you remember we in the seventh, seventh seal the sixth seal was kind of long and drawn out. The other seals were kind of short in their description and what happened. So these things happened just kind of quick and cataclysmic events. And the sixth seal, which is, if you know the number, anything about numbers, the Bible, six is the number of man. That's why the Antichrist number is 666, it's the number of a man. And, and it, it, it represents uh, uh, men, and uh, the number seven represents completion. So when we got to the seventh seal, it got really long. And it involved not just a seal, but it involved seven trumpets. And we just actually just finished the seventh trumpet of the seventh seal, and now we're going right into seven plagues that, that are accompanied with that same event. And so this, this seven, these seven plagues uh, uh, are given uh, when John says, I saw another sign in heaven, he's seeing these things in heaven, and he said it was great, and it was marvelous, and he saw these seven angels, and they have the seven last plagues that he's talking about, for, uh, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. So we're fixing to see the, the finality of the wrath of God, and, and, the, and uh, we're gonna get into these vials of wrath and all these things in the next chapter, but God, he sees these things and he, he describes to us what he's looking at at this time. And, and I love what he says when he looks and he said, I saw, uh, as it were, the sea of glass that was mingled with fire. So he's seeing the, 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 uh, the, the area before the throne of God and them that had gotten uh, the victory over the beast. Now, we just, we, you remember that it, it told us in chapter 13 that, uh, that those who didn't worship the beast would be killed, they would die. So who these people are that, that they talk about because the people that have the victory over the beast and over his image. And so the false prophet said that you worship the beast, worship, worship his image, and if you don't, you're gonna be killed. And they did, they killed those people. And so, you know, it, when you look at this thing, aren't we, aren't we blessed to live in the time we live in now where we can freely worship God without worrying about being killed? You know, yeah. and a few years ago, people started coming into churches and shooting up churches, and it just, it just, oh, everybody just, oh my God. Well, this time right here is going to be so much worse than that. There's no, even no comparison because you're going to, anyone that's living at this time that tries to worship God or not worship the beast, is going to be killed. They're going to kill them. And they're going to be easy to identify because they're not going to have the mark that's required of them to show that they worship uh, the beast and so in his image. And so these people uh, here, it says that uh, uh, they had the victory over, over the beast. And it, it's amazing that victory is death. The victory is death. And, and, uh, but it's not death. It's dying believing. That's where the victory is. Believing in the Lord, believing in his word, believing he is who he says he is, that he will do what he says he will do. Remember what the apostle Paul said, for me to die is what? Gain. Gain. Why? 
Man, it's crazy to say that, isn't it? It's not if you know Jesus, because for me to die and I know Jesus, I know where I'm going. So to me, that's where I'm going. That's where I want to go. That's where I'm living to go. And I say this at funerals all the time. When, when somebody you know that lived for Jesus, that testified and witnessed on his behalf and gave him honor and glory all their lives, and they die, you say, they're where they live to be. They're, they're where they wanted to be all the time. And the family's so sad. A lot of them are weeping. But that we need to rejoice because they are they have achieved the victory over this life and they're with Jesus Christ. These people get to celebrate this and John gets to see it. Isn't that wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just get a glimpse into heaven and see the worship and the, and the adoration and the praise and the singing and, and see all of those things that he, John got to see? No wonder he wrote such a, such a book. He was seeing things, and, and when he saw these people in this image uh, that they had gotten the victory over the beast and over the image and over his mark and over the number of his name, they were standing on the sea of glass. Praise God. Just think about this, this picture. And, they, they, and it says on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. Now, I'm going to tell you what. I cannot play, I can, I can make this brag, I cannot play one single instrument, none, I'm terrible, I can't keep, I can't even pat my foot and sing at the same time, if I start clapping my hands, I have to shut up, I'm, I'm musically challenged and I'm electronically challenged, if you tell me to go to a web page and do something, so, that's just the way it is. But when we get to heaven, when we get God's harp, we never play it. You don't have to know how. You're going to know how. Because he's going to, he's going to give it to you and you're going to play beautifully when you do it. Because everything there is that way. And I'm glad. And so these people having the heart of God. And what do you do with a harp? You play. David had a harp, and when he played for Saul, it soothed his demonic soul. It gave peace to his soul, his tormented soul. And so these people have gone through the torment. They've gone through the fire. They've gone through the death. They've gone through everything for Jesus Christ. And now they have a victory, and they're celebrating the win that they've won. They've won because they've made it where God wants them to be. They've made it to that place we all want to be. They're there. Praise God. And now they have this harp. And they're playing for God. And they sung a new song. The song of Moses. The servant of God. And the song of the Lamb. Now, this, when they say that they sung the song of Moses, kind of gives you an indication there may be Jewish people that are standing there who would know the song of Moses. How many of y'all know the song of Moses? Brother Barry, you can just get get go back to Exodus chapter 15, read the song of Moses and play it on your guitar and sing it to us sometime. He liked to do stuff like that. And so, yeah, that'll work. Just, just, just get in there and get, it's pretty long, and get the song of Moses and sit down and start trying to sing it with, I don't know where it worked for that or not, but they were singing the song of Moses. They knew the song of Moses. They knew. And why did why did Moses sing a song? Where was he at when he sung the song? What had just happened when he began to sing the song? They, 
they just crossed the Red Sea, and man, hey, there wasn't nobody ever more uh, glad to get across that body of water than Moses was. He had the responsibility of leading the people across there, and there they were with the with the with the Egyptians coming down on them from one side, and the water on the other side, and he's looking around the clouds there. You know, I love that that story because the Bible says the cloud left them, and instead of being in front of them, went behind them. So the Egyptians couldn't see them. Isn't that great? God is the protector. And so when, when Moses, when Moses uh, struck that water with his rod and that water opened up and they got on the other side and he witnessed the, the water fall on those Egyptians and he couldn't help himself. He saw them. And these people, he, you know why? They had been delivered from Egypt. They, they were officially delivered from Egypt. There was nothing left in Egypt to chase them down. These people are in glory. They're on a sea of glass in front of the throne of God. And they don't have to worry about this world anymore. They don't have to worry about being hunted down. They don't have to worry about having to hide to worship. They get to express themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ any way they want to right now. And they're in a place to do it. And not only that, they're talented now. They can play the harp. Amen. Amen. I tell you what. Well, I, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but when, when we get there, I'm going to be so excited. I'm going to be so excited to be there. And the Lord's probably going to have to chastise me and Johnny Crow right off the bat. Uh, <laughs> probably, but that's okay. And, and it said, but so they began to sing the song of Moses and the song of God. But listen to that. Now, this is the song, uh, song of Moses. They sung the song of who? The Lamb. Hallelujah. Because you know what? Moses didn't get them there. They sung the song of Moses because they had he sung the song of deliverance. So they sung the song of deliverance, but they knew who got them there. The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, is the one that got them there. So they sung a song specifically for him. Amen. And they did it with these hearts. And they, they look at look at the words. And if you go back to Exodus 15 and, and look at the song of Moses, it's not near about all they're written here. But it, it, it actually is even different word. It says, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. And they're singing to the Lamb. They're singing to Jesus. He is the King of saints. Amen? He is, that's Him. He's the Lord God Almighty. He's all of those things. And He said, Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. They not only knew that they had made it, they knew why they had made it. They knew who had helped them to make it. They knew who had gotten them there. And they also knew what was coming. Amen? Amen. They knew what was coming. Y'all listen to me. There is going to be a judgment coming, and you better believe it here. Because they believed it over there. Judgment is coming. And we are all going to be judged. We're going to be judged. You know, the righteous are going to be judged for their works. They're not going to get there because when we, if we make it and hear Jesus say, well done, we're not corrupted anymore. We're, we're, we're not going to be blamed. We're unblameable. We're undefiled. Because once he gives us that, we're good. Okay, you're there. 
You're going to eat. So the sin that, that was here that so easily beset, gone. Mm -hmm. You know why? Because we believed him. Mm -hmm. We accepted his sacrifice. We accepted his word. We repented. We called on his name often. We were, we were consistently confessing to him and being made clean over and over. We took a bath every time we got close to Jesus in his blood. And he took our sins and washed them white as snow. Hallelujah. I tell people all the time, don't come in them doors with sin and leave out with that sin. That's awful. Come in them doors with sin and get washed and leave out clean and whole and bright and shiny and all brand new. We do that all day. You know, a lot of people say, well, I got saved and he made me brand new, so it's all over. No, it ain't. That's just the beginning of it. We get to just keep, I mean, you know, uh, how many of you take a bath once every 10 years? <laughs> Whether we need it or not. Whether we need it or not, that's right. He, you know, once a week ain't even enough. Amy, I don't care what they tell you in Arkansas. I'm from Arkansas. When I moved to Texas, I thought I'd take some Well, almost every night. Listen to me. There ain't no sense in walking around with that dirty, funky sin on your body, in your heart, in your mind. You don't have to. We've got holy soap. It's red. Scrub down with it. Tell him about it. And be done with it. Amen. Amen. When you you know when you get through taking a shower, you don't take that drain out and reach up. I need to pull some of that dirt back out and rub it back on me. How many of you ever done that? You don't, do you? That, that sounds nasty, don't it? But we carry that sand around and it's more dirty and grungy than any dirt we ever wipe off. That sand is awful stuff. Separates us from God. Is a reproach to God. Is sickening to God. We don't have to carry that junk with us. Clean. And these people here, when they rejoiced, they knew they had got it right. They knew where they were at. It was no more sin for them. It was no more repentance for them. They didn't have to give an account to anybody but the one they were looking at. Amen. That's, what, that's our Lord. Y'all, we need to live every day like that. We need to live every day in his presence. We need to live every day forgiven. And we need to forgive every day. Every day and move on. Why? Because if we want to get on that sea of glass, that's what it's going to take to get us there. Amen. We need to move on. Get on and get on. What is your goal? What is your goal? My goal is to hear him say to me, Gary Terry, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come in into my rest. If I don't get to hear that, I haven't done right. I haven't done well. Amen? Because the only other thing you would hear if you don't hear that is depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't know who you are. That's my goal. Now that's a simple goal, isn't it? I want to hear him say to me, well done. And I want to do whatever it takes. And you know what? Sometimes I just have to eat crow. Sometimes I, and you know what? I got a mouth. Everybody knows that. I got a temper. Everybody knows that. I have to try my best to keep it under control. 
The Spirit of God gives us, uh, one of the, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And that's the one I have to pray for all the time. But you know what? Sometimes it don't work out well. I still sin anyway. Well, what do you do now? You confess it to Him. You confess it to Him. You make amends. And you go on about your life for Him. It's always that way. It has to be that way. And it's something we need to learn to be able to do this and not worry about looking weak. You know what? <laughs> the strongest man in the world is the one that's meekest before God. If you want God to exalt you, He's got to tell you, He tells you how. Humble yourself to me and I will lift you up. Amen? Being humble before God is not weakness. It is great strength. It is great power. You know why? Because it releases you. It sets you free so you can continue to live for Him without regret. Amen? That's what we all need. That's what we all have to work toward. And so these people have found it. They have been there. They did not yield. They didn't yield to the world. They didn't yield to the beast. They didn't yield to the false prophet. They didn't care. They didn't get medicine. The Bible don't say how they died. They didn't get medicine. They didn't get to go to the doctors. They couldn't go buy food. They couldn't go buy anything because they did not have that mark. And it says so here. And they got the victory how? They died for Jesus Christ. Praise God. Let me ask you a question. Do you have that much power in you? We all need to ask ourselves this question. Do you have enough power in you to refuse to be able to buy anything to keep from having that mark? Do you? Do you have that power? If you don't, you're in trouble. Because listen to me. When, when the time of great tribulation came, these people right here were at the mercy of two, God or Satan. So Satan's not merciful. He was merciful to them in this, life, in this life. He allowed them to buy. He allowed them to live. He allowed them to buy, sell, trade, do those things. He allowed them to have medication. But you know what? He don't give eternal life. He only gives temporary life. Amen. He ain't got no control over eternity. He can't give you anything eternal but hell. That's all he can give you. Because that's where he's going to be. And if you follow him, you're going to be where he is. If you follow Jesus, you're going to be where he is. Amen. The choice is ours. It's always ours. And so we're supposed to do whatever it takes to get where he is, where he wants us. These people have found it. They have planned the hearts of God. They're singing the song of Moses. They're singing the song of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And they say, and they sing, who shall not fear thee, O Lord. We need to be more afraid of the Lord than we do Satan. We need to fear him enough to do good and to do right in his eyes. 
more than we need to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, it's going to be short-lived. Amen? Amen? The sin is short-lived. But the worship of God and the fear of the Lord, amen. We need to have that. And we need to glorify Him. We need to glorify Him. Now, how do we glorify Him? By obeying Him. The best glory you can give to the Lord is to obey Him. That's the way to glorify Him. You don't have to say a word. Do it with your actions. I do this because of the Lord. That's glorification of God. And that's what He wants. Any questions here? And His judgments are going to come. Make sure you know that. They're going to come. All right, somebody read for me the rest of the chapter, verse 5 through 8, please. <clears throat> and after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened, and the, and the seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure and white linen, having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. Read verse 1 of chapter 16, please. And I heard a great voice of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out of the vials, the, uh, pour out, the vials out of the wrath of God upon the earth. Okay, so after John witnesses this glorious sight of these people on the, on the glass of fire, uh, singing before God. Now he beholds something else. He beholds the temple again. He sees the temple. Now if you remember uh, earlier in chapter 11, he beheld the temple. What did he see in the temple when it, the door opened? He saw something. Anybody remember? You don't remember what John saw when the temple doors were opened in chapter 11? He saw the uh, Ark of the Covenant of God. And I told you, I said, they ain't lost it. It's there. He's got it. God's got it. The Ark of the Covenant is there. The Ark of the Covenant is the promise of God. It's the holiest of holies. It's, it, it, it's Him. It's, it, 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 it's a picture of Him in the holy place and the holiest of holies. And Jesus, is, Christ, has tore down. And notice that if He looked in and saw it, it ain't behind the veil. Amen? You'd walk into the temple of Solomon you wouldn't have seen the Ark of the Covenant. You'd have seen the veil. You might have seen those poles sticking out from it where they had to carry it by. You didn't see that Ark. When the door flung open in Revelation, he saw the Ark of the Covenant. Praise God. The Ark of the Covenant was the centerpiece of the temple. It was the holiest of holies. Like everything in heaven is the holiest of holies. Amen. Yeah. Praise God for that. And so he sees it opened again. <clears throat> and when, and, and uh, he said, he said, uh, and I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle, the testimony in heaven was opened. Opened. And there were seven angels that came out of this temple. And they had something with them, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure white linen, and having their breastplates girded with, with, uh, with golden girdles. These people were clean. These people were, these angels were clean. These angels were, were righteous and able to perform what God had for them to do. They were sent out of his temple. They were sent out of his presence. And, and, the, and the scripture says, uh, and, and one of the four beasts, have y'all done forgotten about the four beasts and the 24 elders? See, we keep forgetting these people because they're, they're there all the time. We're studying this. They're, they're there. 
And so one of the four beasts uh, gave the seven angels uh, seven golden vials full of the wrath of God who liveth forever and ever. When God said, vengeance is mine, don't give vengeance, don't seek vengeance. I got this. He, he, he meant that. And so these vials are things that are built up. These vials are, the, are plagues that, that over, the, over the beginning of time, from the time that, uh, that uh, Cain slew Abel, the righteous one, all of this wrath is gathered up. It, this wrath has been already poured out on Jesus Christ for me and you. That's why we don't have to have the wrath of God. That's why many believe that we're not going to be in this tribulation, that, that the wrath of God was poured out upon him, and we don't have to go through this. But these people that were in this time, but that had not been saved until this time, they had to go through this. So these vials and these people that we just studied about in the first part of 15, they had given their lives because they would not denounce Jesus Christ. They had done it. And so the vials are, are handed out, the, 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 the four beasts gave them to the seven angels, these seven golden vials, full of the wrath of God, who lived forever in the temple. Look at this. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God. Now it's reminiscent. In the time of Moses and in the, in the, in in going across the wilderness, when they, the Lord gave them their first tabernacle. And the Bible said, and they had a, they had a tent of meeting, and then they had a, a tabernacle. And the Bible says in the tent of meeting where Moses would go to meet with God before the tabernacle was ever built, that he would go down there to seek God's will. And sometimes the smoke would fill that place. And the Bible says that the tabernacle, the dedication of the tabernacle, when they did the tabernacle, the Bible says as they dedicated that, the glory of God came down. And it filled that tabernacle with smoke. And Moses and Aaron had to leave out of it. They could not stay in the presence of God. And he stayed there and he got ready to leave. Amen. But it says he's going to do that in heaven too. The smoke of, of the glory of God is going to be, is going to fill, it says, and the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. Nothing could stay in that building. Everybody had to get out of that building. Now we're in heaven. But well, we think we're going to have access to everything. When the, when the God's glory is in that tabernacle, in that temple in glory, you ain't going to do nothing but stand there and look at it. Amen. He's still God even there. He's still all-powerful even there. And he will be honored even there. And so no man was able to enter into the temple till, until when? The Bible tells us. Until these seven plagues are complete, I'm going to be in my temple. Amen. Think about that. You think God means business? Absolutely. Do you think that he's showing his power? You think that he's showing that he still be honored and glorified and worshiped and praised even there? Y'all listen to me. We're not going to get to quit worshiping and praising God over there. We're going to continue to do that. And let me tell you something. If you can't do it here, what makes you think you're going to do it there? Let's think about that. We, we need to give him honor and praise and glory all the time. We do. And, and a lot of people argue over what that looks like. It, it, it's more than this or that or hopping over. That ain't it. That's right. If 
obeying him. It's doing what he says. There's no greater honor than you can bestow on the Lord Jesus Christ than to obey him. Amen? Amen. No greater honor. There ain't nothing any better you can do. You want to please Jesus? Start obeying him. You want to bring him honor? Start doing what he tells you to do. You want him to lift you up? Obey him. Amen. We need to get that down. Because we got it in our head. All, all I got to do is go to church. Every once in a while I go down there and talk to a preacher. Get him a witness to everyone. Get, I'm not making, not making fun of witnesses. I'm just telling you. Testimony in the church. The Bible says we live by the word of our testimony. <clears throat> If we were, to, and this is going to be ugly, if we were to get up and really testify about how we really live, ouch! We get up and testify about something that we saw we shouldn't have been looking at, something we said that we shouldn't have said, something we thought that we shouldn't have thought. We don't ever get up and testify about how bad we are, do we? We just testify, oh, I love the Lord, and that's good. But are you obedient to God? Are you clean before God? Have you confessed your sin before God? Have you been made clean by the blood of the Lamb? When you, when you want to testify, you need to make it. You know what? When we eat the Lord's Supper, we're going to do that Friday, I mean uh, Friday, February the 11th, we're going to do that. And, and we're, going to, we're going to ask everybody to make themselves clean before they take that wafer. And you know what? It's a shame to any person who refuses to make themselves clean that will let that celebration pass by them rather than humble themselves before God. Amen. Oh! Amen. What do you think he thinks about that? This is his supper. And he said there ain't but one thing worse than that. And that's going ahead and taking it with sin in your life. Ain't nothing else, nothing wrong with me. Everybody see me? Y'all look at me, I'm taking this away from this. I'm doing this. I'm good when you ain't. Over again. Matter of fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians that some sleep because of that. By taking the Lord's Supper in an un- worthy matter. I preach that before every time, every time. We do this four times a year and every time I preach that so that people understand that if you take this 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 supper in an unholy manner, you could die from it. Because the scripture tells us we can. And many sleep because of that. Think about that. God does not honor that. He wants obedience. And you know what it costs you? To be clean, a little humility, a little confession. You ain't got to say it out loud. I'm not your priest, okay? You ain't got to tell me all your sins. You can't pay me enough money to preach you out of hell once you're there. Don't, it, it can't happen. <laughs> you got to do it for Jesus. The Bible says that he is our high priest. So we go to him with all of our problems. And I'm glad we do, aren't you? Amen. And he tells us that when we do that, 
He will forgive us. When we're honest with Him, He's honest with us. When we lie to Him, He ain't good to us. Let me ask <laughs> Well, we're in church. We can get nosy here, can't we? <laughs> Have you ever lied to God? Well, no. One honest man in the whole place. Have you ever promised God you'd do something if He did something and He did it and you didn't? Yeah. That's lying to God. Oh, yeah, okay. Raise both hands, woman. Yeah. I thought you were talking about telling God something that wasn't true and He wasn't going to go there. I'm thinking, what's the purpose? He knocked and knocked. Lord, I tell you what, since I was a little boy, I didn't even know who Jesus was when I was a little boy. And my daddy and me running late, he drove an oil truck. I was always sending about them trucks wrecking. Watch the TV one night when a man, an oil truck, had a wreck burned up in his truck. I wondered who was him. God, you just bring your dad home. I'll act right. Dad drove over the hill. I ain't acted right yet. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We, we lie. We, we're, we're unfaithful sometimes. We're untruthful sometimes to God. We we got to get past that. We got to learn. He's God, and He deserves our best. You know what? I got one daughter, and if you don't know what she thinks about something, don't ask her. <laughs> I know her personally. Yeah, I got one, and uh, I used to spank them for lying to me. I ain't spanking you for what you did. I'm spanking you for lying to me. And when she figured that out. <laughs> she might be blessed sometimes. <laughs> <Sitting> ass. <laughs> you asked for it. I told her don't lie to me and I won't spank you. I shouldn't have made it. But I shouldn't have put it that way. <laughs> she took it literally. Seriously. We need to be that way with God. We, we need to do that with God. We need to talk to Him openly, not publicly, openly and honestly about ourselves. Amen. You know why? He already knows everything. He knows every filthy, gory detail. He knows whether your heart is black. He knows whether you're wrapped up in sin. He knows if you're deceiving him. He knows. You can't do that to God. He knows. I want to hear him say, well done. And, and it's taken me a long time to learn, Lord, I need to confess everything to you. And I could just, you know, I wish I could see picture God sometimes when I am confessing to him. He's probably sitting there going, <clears throat> probably got that holy belt behind him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But he's doing what I asked him to do. Now he needs to change. He needs to be forgiven. He needs to be washed in the blood. He needs to be cleansed. And he don't need to keep doing that. I'll deliver him if he'll ask me. <laughs> you got chronic sins. You got sins you repeat over and over again. You don't need to keep asking forgiveness. You need to ask for deliverance. Let him handle that for you. Amen. Yes. It's a time for deliverance. That's what it is. That's what Moses, that's what the song of Moses was about. He had delivered them from the Egyptians and they sung for that. These people had been delivered from Antichrist, from the false prophet, 
from a cursed world. And they would have been delivered and their song was about that. Amen. And they knew who delivered them. We need to be delivered from evil. That's what the Bible tells us. When it, it delivers me from evil. Amen. Amen. In the Lord's prayer, when they asked him how do we pray, he, he prayed that prayer. He prayed, deliver me from evil. What he told us to pray, didn't he? Amen. He told us to pray that prayer. And so we need to pray that prayer. Lord, deliver me from these things I keep. How many of you ever done that? How many of you? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. I already got mine up. How many of you got sins that you have to deal with over and over and over and over and over? You're an honest man. I love John. He's honest. He raised his hand every time I asked that. Think about it. We do, don't we? We got our little pet peeves, don't we? We got things that we can't seem to let go of. Those are the things we need to bring before him often and say, Lord, I know you can't forgive me this, but please help me stop doing this. Amen. Amen. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't we be better if we could just do that? Oh my goodness. I'm glad that he don't erase our names out of that book of life. And there's consequences to sin. If we don't get it right, he'll kill you right here. He'll take you out. And we don't think God does stuff like that. He, can, he will leave you to your own devices. He told you when he when he destroyed the world the first time. He he told uh, no, my spirit will not always strive with men. I'm gonna give you 120 years. No, I want you to preach for 120 years and tell people my patience is run out. They need deliverance. They need to change. They need to repent. They, and he and he preached it 120 years, and they wouldn't listen. And this stuff needs to be preached. This stuff needs to be said. We are all sinners. We're all in the same boat. We have a fallen nature. We live in a cursed world. We live in a filthy, vulgar world. And it's always reaching out to us. Oh, come on, do this. Come on, do it. You can do this. You can do this. Remember how the Satan took the Lord and after his, uh, after his baptism and his 40 days of of, of fasting and Satan took him like a like a little child and he tempted him on all points. He tempted him. We get that too. Jesus overcame everyone that we don't. Because we're not Jesus. Therefore, <laughs> we mess up routinely. And the Lord says, You're still my child. But you need to take care of this. You need to take the blood of my son and you need to apply it to your sin. Don't you think we need to do that? There's people who have carried around a grudge. They have hated another person and they'll tell you, oh, I'm saved. And they have carried that hatred and bitterness around with them so long that they actually believe that it's not costing them anything. You know what bitterness does to us? It kills us. It, it, it causes us to be sick and afraid. It takes away worship and praise. Bitterness is something that you can't lay down at night without thinking about it. 
Well, that's the things that we got to get hold of. We got to give them to Him, and He will take care of those things for us. It, is it easy? No. Does it not require anything on our part? Yep, it does. And He tells us what it requires of us. Quit bringing it up. Quit talking about it. Just give it to me. Let me handle it. And He will. Then He said. When he saw this, and he and he said that he saw this this smoke and this glory of God and this power, this magnificent power, and he, he made it where he could see it, and no man was able to enter the temple till these plagues of the seven angels were filled. And I heard this great voice that come out of the temple saying to the seven angels, "Go your ways, pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth." voice from the temple, from the smoke, the Father, if you will, told him to do this. When the world's destroyed, when wrath's poured out, it ain't going to be Satan. It's going to be God. It's a fearful thing to face the wrath of God. It's something you won't survive. It's something the world won't survive. It's something Antichrist won't survive. The false prophet's not going to survive it. All the armies of the earth will not survive it. The wrath of God. Amen. I want to fear God, don't you? Amen. I want to fear God, and I want to obey God. Not just because I say I love God, but because I really know he can do everything he said he's going to do, and he is. All of his promises concerning all these are yea and amen. And John gives us a picture by writing it down of the things that are coming. And y'all, I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart, they're coming sooner than later. There's no doubt, just by, just by time, we're closer than we've ever been. People ask me all the time, when do you think the Lord Jesus is going to come? I say, any minute. And I mean that. Any minute. The rapture of the church, any minute. Praise God. Are you looking for that? Are you waiting for that? Are you ready for that? I hope you are. Y'all are going to take up next week and they start with the vials and uh, show what each one of those are and uh, start that study in uh, chapter uh, chapter 16, verse 2. What, what, what will be the date? That'll be a new month, won't it? The 4th of February. Can y'all believe we've already had a month in this new year? Amen. 2nd and 4th. Time's moving, it. Don't waste it. Time's moving. Don't waste it. You look at your little grandkids, they'll be up in your lap, they'll be doing it. And the next thing you know, you turn around and they're 20 years old. It's happening that quick for us, isn't it? How many of y'all is it life going by really quick right now? You know what? I figured out something. I didn't know this. The older you get, the faster you go. I was a kid, I didn't think I was ever going to start the school when it did. When I did, I thought I ain't never going to get out of school, and I did. It just took forever. 
and it speeded up after that. You get married, you start having a family, and zoom, 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 and the next thing you know, you turn around, you ain't got nobody in the house but you and the wife. You don't know who she is. She don't know who you are. You don't know where the kids are, what they're doing. It's crazy. Friday afternoon to Monday, Monday morning. Oh, I mean, it's a snap. Yeah. It's just, but when you're in high school, it's just things forever. It goes forever, don't it? If I can just get past this. All right. Any, any comments about tonight's study? You're just looking at this. And we serve a gracious God. But looking at this, what's going to happen? When he says, I've had enough, Woo. it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. Yeah. Matter of fact, the Bible don't tell us that not as the only patient, he's long suffering. He gives us ample opportunity. Time and time again. There's going to be that moment where that time's gone. There's going to be that time, and we don't know when that time is. And not only does he deal with nations and the world that way, he deals with individuals that same way. He deals with individuals that same way. Look in the scripture, it's all in there, where he dealt with individuals. And his patients walk with him. And long suffering walk with him. And he changed things around them and he changed them. Took them out sometimes. Amen. I just got to thinking it's one thing for unbelievers or sinners to be living their lives in total disregard for God. At what point is he going to get tired of it and fed up with it? But it just hit me like a ton of bricks. What about all of us believers? What about all of us Christians that are not obeying him, not living right, have what they think are secret sins that nobody's being affected, nobody knows, whatever. How much more that's got to be hurting his heart and adding to his wrath. Talk about being fed up. It's one thing to be fed up with sinners, but your own children spitting in your face? That's what we're doing. When we sin deliberately, we don't care what God says. We don't care what he thinks. I'll repent later, you know, whatever. That, that's got to hurt God's heart so much more than people that don't even know him. And are we adding to his wrath? Are we the ones making him fed up? That's scary. I think we are. Yeah. I think that's why in Revelation he, 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 he uh, talked to the seven churches before these things came to pass. And he told them every one. There's some of them he was really, really, you know, he allowed to say, you ain't got a shot at nothing. He told them. Unless they repent change. Thyatira, he said, hmm, I'll take away your candlestick. You're going to change. I'll come to it myself. I'll take you out myself. you got to change. He told those churches those things. Repent. Get right. He's still telling us those same things. That does never change with you, God. Never does. And we all still need to be well, we got good and bad. And he said, there ain't no reason to just have good and bad. Have good. Repentance helps that. Causes that. Where it's all good. Amen. Remember the two churches, Philadelphia and Smyrna? 
You know what? He had nothing bad to say about them. You know why? They were under so much persecution, they didn't have time to do wrong. They were just trying to survive. And they were surviving and continuing to believe in him, and he respected that. He can make it, so all we're doing is trying to survive. But right now, his grace, he has just given us so much mercy and so much leeway. Amen. And if we ain't careful, we'll hang ourselves. So we need to make sure that we are who we're supposed to be. To not be is hypocrisy. Amen. Would you stand? Thank y'all for being here tonight. Thank you for your comments. Keep studying. I thank you that you're studying the Word of God. I hear it all the time. People call me and say, oh, wait a minute, you said this, 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 that. That's good. That's a good thing. That's what I want you to do. I want you to study the Word of God. Why? Scripture tells us to show yourself approved unto God. That's why it's important to study. Not, not make me happy. Make him happy. To make him happy. Amen. To make him happy. So keep studying. Keep, keep chewing. Write things down. Write down questions. Write down what you see, what the Lord shows you, and share it. Share it with all of us. We're, we're anxious to hear the sharing of what the Word of God says, says to you. God bless you. Have a great week. May the sun shine again tomorrow. <laughs> 60 degrees. I might even have to wash my truck. It's so dirty. Thank God for the rain. Thank God for the sunshine and all that. You know, uh, Melissa was telling me the other day, we were griping about how cold it was for four days. And she said she went out on her back, was it your back porch? And the fire ants were bringing the dead out. Mounds of dead ants. Mounds of dead ants. Oh, what does that? Cold weather. Who gave us the cold? God did. Mm -hmm. God controls even the pest around us. He has to do things a certain way if we'd be overrun by them. Mm -hmm. And so thank God for all of it. <clears throat> Find a way to praise Him in everything. Mm -hmm. That's what He wants from us. Amen. You can't see God in the little things. You can't see Him in anything. That's right. You, that's right. You, you, if you can't see Him in the little things, you won't see Him in the big things either. Amen. Pearl Bailey had a quote years ago that said, People see God every day. They just don't recognize him. <laughs> That's right. They seek him every day. They just, yeah. And he said, seek me while I may be found. Mm -hmm. And he also says, seek me and I will be found of you. He knows the difference between one who's really seeking him and one who's just saying, I'm seeking God. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Brother Jim Boston, you dismiss us, please. Dear Lord, we just come before you tonight. Just thank you for the way that you granted us grace and mercy. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity we've had to come and study your word tonight to better understand what's coming down the line. Lord, just open our hearts, open our minds, and let us receive anything that you have for us. And Lord, let us be aware of your presence and everything that we see and everything, everything that we do. And Lord, let us do the things that need to be done for your honor and your glory. Lord, as we go away from this place, we just ask for traveling grace if we return to our homes. Lord, just give us the opportunity to come back the next time the doors are open. Lord, we just ask you to be with us, lead us, guide us, and direct us in each and everything that we do. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen.